No, it's kind of a it's kind of a silly thing. The Greeks had it right. They had some people say five or seven different words for love. If you look through the Greek in the New Testament, where it says love in English, it actually can be agape love, phileo love, eros love. It has all these different kind of definitions of what love actually meant. So phileo, brotherly love, versus eros, you know, a sexual love, or agape love, which is kind of a servant, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I think peace is a little bit the same way. Like, people say peace. When you say the word peace in our world today, what are we really talking about? Yeah, perfect. Peace in our world, for most people, is just the absence of conflict. But how do you know peace in the Bible is a lot more than just not arguing with your brother or your sister? Or two sisters? <laughs> or two brothers? <laughs> right? Peace is more than that. So according to the Bible, just what are some maybe deeper, uh, more uh, more experiential type of peace? What, when the Bible says peace, what, what is it talking about? Anybody? Yeah. So peace has to do not just with a lack of conflict, it actually has something more. So it has a, a calm to it, right? Peace in the midst of conflict. Right. Peace in the midst of conflict. What what are some other things? Right. So not just in terms of human conflict, but actual when he speaks to the storm, remember that? When like it's storming out, he says, Peace be still. So the other day I'm out on, on our deck and it's kind of misting and kind of windy and blowy and it's getting wet. And I got my Bible out <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, wait, I really like this Bible. And have you ever gotten your Bible wet? You know, it kind of wrinkles up on you and it's really hard to get it flat again. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? So I'm like, I do not want this Bible to get wet. And yet I don't want to leave my covered deck thing that I was sitting on. So I said, wind, stop. I thought, hey, Jesus did it. I'm going to do it, you know. So I kind of did this thing. And don't you know, um, the wind was out there, but it wasn't hitting my deck anymore. Now, I'm not saying I got the same power, you know. I'm not, I guess I'm not, I'm not trying to be all Jesus, Messiah-esque and everything. I'm simply saying, you know what? If Jesus says to do it, I get to do it, right? So I'm speaking to the wind, and I didn't get it to stop immediately like Jesus did on the storm that day. But I do remember thinking, you know what, if it's in there, there's no reason under the sun I can't take the same peace. Because he says this, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. And how many of you know that it can be multidimensional? Amen. Right? So, in, the, in, in, uh, in Hebrew or in the Jewish language, do you know what the word for peace is? Anybody? Shalom. Have you ever heard anybody talk about uh, what shalom actually means? So it's, it's, it's interpreted in the language, shalom, peace. So in the English language, peace is shalom. But to the Hebrew mindset and to the biblical definition of it, it has like eight or ten different words that go with it. So if you look up shalom and the actual definition of it, it's peace, like no conflict. It has calm. It has favor. It has blessing. It has healing. It has wholeness. <laughs> and the list goes on and on and on. I looked at a list not too long ago, and I'm thinking, 
that's way more than just peace. <laughs> you know, wholeness, favor, blessing, healing, you know, all that. There's something inherently powerful and tangible about the word peace. And I would just encourage us as Americans, don't get caught up in our limited language. Embrace the fullness of these words. So last week we looked real quick at Matthew 10, uh, 12 to 14, where Jesus is giving the Great Commission, remember? And he says, when you go to a home, say shalom. <laughs> Bring your peace to it, right? So I'll just, I'll just read it real quick. He says, when you enter a home, this is Jesus speaking to the 12 disciples back uh, a couple of years before where we're reading in John. A couple of years before that, he sends them out on a missions trip to the communities around there. And he says, once you enter a house, speak to the family there and say, God's blessing of peace, shalom. Interesting even there, blessing of peace. Did you catch that? Be upon this house. Verse 13, and if those living there welcome you, let your peace, everybody say your peace. Or in this case, my peace, right? Let my peace be upon the house. But if you are rejected, then then that blessing of peace will come back upon you. Verse 14, and if anyone doesn't listen to you and rejects your message, when you leave that house or town, shake the dust off your feet as a prophetic act that you will not take their defilement with you. Hmm. Now, when you hear that, what are some thoughts that come to your mind, just right off the top of your head? Anybody? Don't, don't cast your pearls before us. No, no, it's, it's, that is. And there's an aspect to that, isn't there? Don't take your good peace and waste it on people who are, who are going to reject you, if you will. Turn the other cheek, Okay. The thing that strikes me so profound, these things are all true, but when I was reading that, and I have for years had this thing of, it's so tangible. I mean, peace, we kind of feel like it's this emotion, and it kind of floats around, you know. Well, not according to Shalom. Shalom is blessing, favor, wholeness, health, wealth, you know, like Shalom is this powerful, big word. What? Go ahead. Tangible, like it's this thing. And Jesus actually says it right here. He says, listen, when you go into a house, bring your peace with you. If they accept it, great. Shalom all over them. Favor, blessing, you know, all that stuff. But if they reject you, you literally take it back, go out the door, and as you're leaving, you just, you do this to them. See, I think in the modern day Christianity, we think, uh, I don't know, we're a little too touchy-feely, almost, if you will, nicey-nicey, yeah. You know what, there's, there's, a, there's a harshness, if you will, to the certain realities of life. And this peace thing, we think is this kind of floaty thing, when it, what if we looked at it more tangible, you know? And so one of the thoughts I had, and we talked a little bit about this last week, did anybody have an opportunity to bring a gift of peace to somebody or some situation this week. Anybody? Anybody? Can you think of anything like that? Or maybe just think in your mind, some of, go through your week. It's a question I had yesterday as I was thinking, like, Jesus says, I leave the gift of peace with you. <laughs> My peace. When you have a gift, it's usually kind of something tangible, right? 
It may not be something you can touch, but it, it's real. So my question that I felt Holy Spirit was saying yesterday was, in what situation did you give the gift of peace in a tangible way this week? Anybody have any examples for that? Yes? Well, someone yeah. I talked to was upset about the COVID virus and should they do this or that or the other thing. And, mm-hmm. and I just said, well, why would you think like that? Mm-hmm. And basically, I just calmed the person yeah. down and basically said, don't worry about it. Yeah. But yeah. you're trusting God. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's and, a, and it did kind of change sure. the whole tenor of the conversation. Sure. It's like I could have gotten caught up in this person's anxiety, but mm-hmm. what good would that do me? You know, it's not keeping God's peace. It's taking mm-hmm. on their defilement. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's quite a word, though, isn't it? Their defilement with you. That's... <laughs> Have you ever found that to be true? Where like yes. you're around people and you walk away going, Ugh. <laughs> like what just happened to me? I don't or even you like get it. Depressed because they're yeah. depressed. Well, yeah. you don't need to. No. You know, you need to shake it off and bring the peace. Did you get that? Go somewhere else with it, baby. Oh, it's yours. I thought it was my daughter's. Okay. Um, yeah. So you know, there's this tangible. I wasn't kicking you out, Carol. It's just, I thought it was my daughter. I thought it was my daughter. Yeah, there we go. But that, you know, it's interesting how I, I think we have to we have to let the Word of God speak to us more than we let our culture speak to us about the Word of God. Everybody. <laughs> Sometimes I'll say things and they sound way better after I've said them. And I look back and go, that's, that's exactly true. <laughs> you know, because I think so much of our world is we let the, the media or the news or people's conversations, and they end up, in this word, defiling me. Because what happens half the time is it takes my peace, and it, instead of me bringing peace, I get peace taken. That's not how this is supposed to work, is it? Yeah. My peace I give you. Not like the world gives, but my peace. And then, and then, then the second part of it in the verse. If you go back to verse twenty-seven, um, he says, "Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous." And again, we look, we talked, we got into this a little bit last week. I don't think we got deep enough. But the other question I felt like Holy Spirit asked me yesterday was. In what situation did you yield to fear this week? <laughs> is it the bottom line? Isn't it true? Life is just a series of choices. And that's all life is, really. You think about it. Break it down. Break it down now. You just break it down. It's all choices. Do I trust God or do I trust my flesh? Do I, do I believe what it, the Bible says or do I rely on my feelings? or my You know, my, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, uh, I just got news today that my my cousin's wife, uh, my cousin's wife's, uh, I think it was her father just passed away. I think this morning. No, no not uh, Tony. Anyway, and then I have another cousin who just built a huge mountain home. They were featured on on um, on uh, Discovery Channel. You know, like this whole big show on them. It's super cool. Uh, if you want to watch it, I'll send you the link. It's, I'm just amazed. These guys are unbelievable. 
You know those Colorado fires? <laughs> right up on their doorstep. <laughs> like massive fires and the winds are coming. And I'm like, oh, you know, guess what? They have a choice to continue to trust God or give in to fear and all that stuff. And, I, and again, I don't know all the details. I just know that active things of life don't stop just because you and I say we're Christians. <laughs> In fact, if anything else, you know, I wouldn't even go that far. I'm just saying we're all in this together. Bible says it rains on the, on the just and the unjust. It rains on the rich and the poor. Like all of us have troubles in life. All of us have trials. All of us have things that we would go, man, I really wish that wasn't going on right now. And yet, Jesus in his word says, listen, I, I give you the gift of peace. But along with the peace, did you notice this? Verse 27, he says, I give you this peace. It's not like the world. But in order to get the peace, it's almost as if he's saying now in the second half of that verse, you can't yield to fear. You can't let your heart be troubled. Instead, you have to be courageous. And so what he's doing is he's linking peace with courage. He says, if you really want peace, this shalom, tangible thing, you have to choose courage. You have to be brave with it. It has to be something that you go, you know what? My choice today is to completely trust God with this thing. My choice is that. Don't yield to fear. Don't surrender. You know, you want to do a funny search in the Bible. Many of you know this, but you want to do a search in the Bible, just look for the, the phrase, be not afraid or don't fear. We talked so many times when angels show up, that's the first words out of their mouth, right? And even and so many other times, you know, we looked last week a little bit about, um, you know, with Joshua and Moses and, you know, be strong and courageous. We'll get to that here in a second, but don't yield to fear. And I would just say this, fear is a real thing. And as real as peace is tangible, I think fear can be just as tangible. It just depends on whether you feed it or you starve it. All right? Have you ever found this to be true? You start being afraid. What? Don't give it any oxygen, right? Yeah. Have you ever found that to be true? How many of you have ever, (laughs) how many of you have ever been laying in bed at night and you start to think about a troubling situation? And then the more you think about it, what happens? I always jokingly say this about women, but I think men are just as guilty. But my wife and other people I've known of the female persuasion, it seems like they are really good at creating scenarios. You know what I mean when I say this? Well, what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And what if this happens? You know, like Jody oftentimes will create a scenario where you know, I'll be sitting there listening to this scenario, go to this, to this, to this, to this. And I'm like, Wait a minute, we're nowhere near the end of that scenario. We're right here, you know. But I should probably delete that whole part out, shouldn't I? <laughs> Too bad we're live. Anyway, but, you know, I think I'm, the, I'm as guilty as anybody, really. Because there's been times I'll lay in bed and I'll get a, 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 a thing going in my head. And what about that? So, well, maybe they said this. Maybe they thought this. And, and, and pretty soon you've got this whole monster thought process of fear and anxiety in your head and then you gotta get out of the way 
you got to get out and go, you know, either cookie and milk or something. I don't know what, you know, you got to do what, but here's the thing. You've just fed the beast. You have fed the beast, man. You have fed the beast of fear. And I think what Jesus is really saying here is he's saying, listen, my peace I give you. It's tangible. It's shalom. It's, it's real. He says, but you have to be courageous with it. You can't let, you can't feed that. So what am I feeding? And I would say this too. Fear is stalking each and every one of us. He is. The, the enemy is stalking us with fear. Especially, I would say, in our world today, isn't he? I mean, I used to enjoy watching the news or listening to talk radio and stuff. I just don't anymore. I mean, a little bit here and there, but I just don't. Because I feel like it's the enemy's playground to create anti-peace, if you will, in my mind. So I find myself turning it off and just going, you know what, I'm not going to feed that. I'm not going to feed that beast. I'm not going to, as Sue says, I'm not going to give it oxygen. Right? What? Snuffing. Yeah. You know, again, there's that whole, I want to be aware. Okay, I'll be aware, but I don't need to feed it. (laughs) Right? So I'm reading this series of books, and I've I've read them before, actually, but they're by Lynn Austin. I don't know if you're familiar. Usually she's kind of a Christian romance writer. But she wrote a series of books about um, uh, their their novels, so they're, they're fiction, but they're based on God's word of what happened and it starts with uh, King Hezekiah as a small boy. And the story follows him and then the kings of Judah all the way up till they go to Babylon and then the return from Babylon back to the thing. And so there's a series, I think, eight or ten books. And, it's the, and they're just these stories with characters. And they're so interesting. I just, it's, and so much truth because it follows the timeline and the word of God, right? So I was reading it this week, and it's the story where King Hezekiah has instituted reform into Judah. So he had an evil dad and an evil dad before him. Hezekiah comes on the scene and says, no, we're turning back to God. So he cleans out the temple. He starts getting rid of all the idols and gets rid of all that stuff. And he starts trusting God 100%. Well, part of that means they're not going to pay tribute to to the empire of Assyria, which his dad had done. So in other words, we're not going to pay for to be protected we're going to actually let God protect us. And how many of you know that would be kind of a tough <laughs> a tough deal? But he really does it. So it's, it's an amazing story if you want to read in the Second Kings there. Uh, but in the, in the story, and this is really what happened, King Hezekiah witnesses and watches as Assyria comes and wipes out the northern tribes. So all ten Israel of the ten tribes in the north. Wipes them out destroys Samaria. For three years, they pound on Samaria. They just, they finally break in, destroy it. They wipe out all of Israel. So the whole northern kingdom is gone. And Judah is the only one left. And Hezekiah is looking north, and Assyria begins to turn and head towards Judah. Now, Assyria was the greatest empire on earth, known for incredible cruelty, especially to the kings of the land they conquered. So Hezekiah knows It's going to be horrible for him and his country. He just watched it happen to the northern tribes. And so he starts to get nervous. And he starts to go, okay, I have a small army. Maybe I should send my army out to defend. They've created some different, you know, stronghold cities. 
his advisors are telling him, you know, get, let's get our army out there, even though we're going to get wiped out, but let's at least get our army out there. Uh, let's get some allies. We'll get Egypt. We'll get some of these other nations to help us. Uh, and then he, their advisors, all of them agree and say, listen, we need to send a tribute back to Assyria. Basically, we need to become their slaves again. That's the way we're going to save Judah. And so Hezekiah is like, as the king, he's weighing all these options, and he's like, you know, maybe we should strip the temple of all its resources again and give all that money back to Assyria. Maybe we should get some allies and do all this. And so he sends the word out to the prophet Isaiah. Right? And so Isaiah, as it is sometimes with things of God, how many of you know when you pray, God doesn't just snap his fingers always and just jump right at you? So he prays to Isaiah. He needs to know because Assyria is now turning its sights, if you will, on Judah, which is only 40 miles to the north. <laughs> 40 miles away, the greatest empire on earth is coming coming for him. And he sends for Isaiah, and Isaiah can't be found. He's nowhere to be found. And he waits. And he waits. And finally, I, Hezekiah is on the brink of like, okay, we're going to... I'm going to pull the trigger on one of these options. Isaiah shows up. And can you imagine the relief on Hezekiah, right? Oh, finally, dude, you showed up. The man of God is here, you know. What do I do? And Isaiah turns to him, and they start to talk. And Hezekiah says, should, we, should I send out my army? Should I, should I get these allies for these other nations? Uh, should, I, should I pay tribute back to becoming a vassal kingdom to Assyria. Which of these should I do? <laughs> and I just thought that was funny. Like, when we pray to God, you ever do that? God, should I do this, this, or this? And Isaiah turns to Hezekiah, and he says, don't do anything. Do nothing. Just Wait. And in the book, I'm not, in the book I'm reading, I'm not sure this is the exact spot for it, but it does seem to make sense. Are you guys, uh, if you've been around Christianity at all for any amount of time, uh, you may recognize the verse that says, Isaiah verse 40, verse 31, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. Right? Anybody been around Christianity at all ever heard that verse? I thought it was so interesting. Isaiah turns to Hezekiah and says, don't do anything. Just wait. Wait on the Lord. None of Hezekiah's answers were given. Like, in other words, none of his options were an option. The only option was to wait on God. And that word wait in the Hebrew actually means to put your hope in. See, again, that's another one of those words in the English language that is so lacking. When we say wait, you know, remember that verse, David in the psalm says, as the deer, you know, pants for the water, so my soul waits for you. And there's, David talks a lot about waiting on the Lord. That word wait in the Hebrew is not just sit around going, okay, when's God going to show up? Nope. The word wait in the Hebrew is actually a hunter in the woods waiting for the deer to come by. <laughs> like it's this total active, uh, passionate thing. 
And so when Isaiah is telling Hezekiah to wait on the Lord, he's not saying just sit back. He's just saying, listen, there's an active hoping that it's, it's tangible. It's something I want you to do. It's not just twiddling your thumbs. It's waiting on the Lord. It's putting your hope in. And then if you go on, it says, you will gain new strength. So if we wait on the Lord, if we actively put our hope in him, he says, you'll gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. And that word is funny because the picture, of course, is, you know, you've seen pictures of eagles just soaring on top of the wings, right? Well, the, the word there, wings like eagles, actually means to sprout wings. <laughs> so in other words, it's like us who aren't eagles, all of a sudden, boop, these <laughs> Like when we wait on God, these little wings pop out on us. They sprout out of us. Where then, if I will actively wait and hope in the Lord, I get these wings will pop out that give me the ability then to catch the wind of the Spirit and to flow. Right? And I love that picture, especially in the song we were singing. You know, uh, the the wind of your Spirit. You know, we want to soar on the wings of the Spirit. And I thought, you know what? So often, like Hezekiah, there's this fearful situation going on. And God says, listen, you can't really solve this problem anyway. Actively put your hope and faith and trust in me, and I will pop out wings on your back. Wings will literally sprout out of you to give you the ability then to just soar above this thing. And, of course, the interesting story was, uh, as... They're watching the Assyrian army get ready to march in on them. As Hezekiah decides to wait on God and just trust God with the situation, they see something happened in Assyria that the army turns to the west, turns to the east, and goes all the way back to, to, to Assyria. Right on the border of Israel, the whole army, just this whole massive destructive empire army went back to where they had come from. Well, it it does, actually. There was some kind of turmoil in the kingdom at home. And eventually they come back. So a couple chapters later, we can talk about this later. But it's interesting, as he's watching it and trusting and waiting, if you will, on God, the Assyrian arm, the threat turns and goes the other direction, away from Judah, and they're spared, they're saved without any of Hezekiah's helps or ideas or thoughts. And the thing that strikes me so profound is so how often God doesn't need my input to solve a problem. Right? So, but what he is asking for is my, my courage, my trust. So he says, don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Anybody have any thoughts on that before we go on? Yeah. And just you know, how I'm saying the trusting and waiting and bringing that peace. Yeah. Those all have to have to be. Yeah. A part of it. Sure. You know, it's that verse, right? That we're some of us are familiar with. He says, "For my ways are not your ways." And the older I get, I guess, and the more experience I have with some of these things, is I get to go, God. You don't need my ways. I need your ways. Right? Mm-hmm. This also speaks of uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. like the need to displace what's troubling me. 
Yeah. 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 This work is not cast on fear, right? So yeah, I, yeah. the verse tells me something about what needs to replace the fear. Yeah. It can't be left void. I have to have something like that's good. Much that's really more good. powerful than fear, but yeah. always the fear. Yeah. So when we speak to people, we're praying that the Holy Spirit brings something up here that can yeah. not be my words. It can't be my words because my words are not going to solve the problem. They're not going to yeah. bring you to a place of connection with sure. that which is much higher than you. Yeah. And that's where the, his ways are not our Sure, ways. absolutely. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It's just a reality that I think we're given a gift to see. Yeah. It's not something we can actually intelligent through our intelligence. Yeah. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. Well, why does it make sense? Yeah. Because it's supernatural. Yeah, sure. And as I was sharing with my coworkers this week, I remember talking about that. Because I'm going to use a word that's kind of misunderstood. And I... To be honest with you, Joe, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want another word to share with you. Sure. That what you speak about is spiritual in nature. Yeah. It's supernatural. It's yeah. not something you naturally yeah. can connect with. This idea yeah. that you're a sinner and he saved you. Yeah. He saved you. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it's I'm yeah. saying words that you have to by yeah. faith receive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that kind of what he's saying here with the peace? I live you. I give you the gift of peace. My peace, not as the world gives. <laughs> like he's he's literally making a distinction between natural peace and supernatural peace, right? You know, I was thinking about. I was listening to something this week. I'll put a. I'll put something on Facebook here. I'll put the link on here. But it was a. Uh, it was a conversation on Elijah List between the Elijah List guy and a, a gal named Cat Kerr, and she's a prophet. And she's got these amazing things. And they were talking about the election and some of those things. But as they got to the end of the conversation, for about the last 15 minutes or so, she was talking about this, something that she teaches on, which is, um, she was talking about in the area of forgiveness. And she says that our souls, it, our soul is our will. And the will has to do with choice, right? And so she was talking in particular about the area of forgiveness, but I think it applies to all these things. In other words, if I am going to choose peace, I actually have to take anxiety and fear and take it out, if you will, of my will, and then I replace it with his peace. Because how many of you found this to be true? You can't really put peace and conflict in the same space. Right? Like if you're having an argument with someone... You have to either choose peace or conflict. You can't, they, they don't coexist. And, and she was talking about forgiveness and she was saying, if I, if I am going to forgive somebody, I literally have to reach into my will through the power of, of Jesus, right? But in Jesus' name, I take unforgiveness and I say, Lord, I don't want that in my spirit anymore. Lord, I need you to come and rip, if you will, this thing out of me. But then what? Then I have to replace it. Like you say, Mike, I have to replace unforgiveness with what? Forgiveness. They cannot coexist. I can't forgive and not forgive at the same time. I can't have peace and not peace at the same time. I have to literally choose which one is going to inhabit my space. Now that is 
that you were talking about rubber meet the road stuff. That is where the rubber meets the road. So I'm going to put that link for you. I'm going to be looking at it more myself because I feel like one of the biggest problems. Well, how would you define hypocrisy? Just give me a definition. What's hypocrisy? Double standard. Right, double standard. And if you dig a little deeper, what what are we talking about? You say one thing and do another. So in other words. Let's say, take the area of unforgiveness. Oh, I, I forgive that person. But you really don't. And everything about you is unforgiving of that person. And all your words are unforgiveness. And all your thoughts are unforgiveness. But then all of a sudden you say, oh, I forgive. No, you have to literally take that out and say, Lord, I give this to you. I take it to you. Cover it with your blood, with your power. I need you to help me transfer. Because there's only space for one of them, really, inside of me. Now, does it take a little bit of journey and work? I mean, yeah, I get it. it. That's not like... But I think you can be a lot more miraculous than we give it credit for. Okay, so we're out this week and we're having trouble with peace and conflict and you're laying in bed and you're having that those <laughs> those conversations with yourself, right? You go, this I, I cannot have this in peace. So, will, my soul... I'm going to choose peace right now. I'm going to literally take this out. And then what did Jesus say when he cast out demons? you remember this story when Jesus was talking about? He was giving that story about um, casting the demon out and a whole bunch left. But then if you don't put anything in it, what happens? They get a bunch of buddies and they come back and it's worse than before. And again, some of us have experienced that kind of thing. And, and this, so this is a really big topic, maybe bigger than just these few sentences. But it, it speaks to, I think, these... Uh, well, let me just read again. Did you have something you want to say? Just yeah, go ahead. No, that's good. It's so familiar with to all this, but anxiety and peace are in the same breath. Uh-huh. Be, be anxious for nothing, uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, that we request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses mm-hmm. all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Jesus. Yeah. I want my heart and my mind to be yeah. Yeah. But I have to be anxious to There's a total process there, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Those verses are powerful. That's verse. Just to, mm-hmm. to yeah. Set aside, shake off the, sure. the uh, yeah. best of anxiety. Yeah. It's so good, isn't it? It's a good Right. So in that in that book that yeah, you're exactly right. You have to choose, right? So in that book I was telling you, it's called uh, Song of Redemption, and it's in a book series called Chronicles of the King. So it's the second book in that series, and it's where this talks about Hezekiah and all this Assyrians coming and all that stuff. And and one of the quotes, it says this. This is in the story. It says, Yahweh never promised that your life... Here, I'll put it up on the screen for you. It'll be easier. Yahweh never promised that your life would be without problems. Isn't that true? <laughs> he says, but, but meditate on what he has promised. Right? That's the choosing part, isn't it? Right. Let it be your strength, the promises. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He commands you not to be afraid. We'll go back and look at those verses in a second. He says, he says he's never going to forsake us. He's never going to leave us. And he commands us 
to not be afraid. So to be fearful is to doubt God, and that is a sin. <laughs> I thought, sometimes we have these pet sins, don't we, in Christianity, you know? I think doubt is a, is a sin, unbelief. I mean, how did Jesus handle unbelief with his disciples? Like, he came down pretty hard on them for their unbelief. It's a sin. See, this isn't just a, well, you know, a better or a good version of Christianity. It actually speaks to a lot of the core, right? Because you can't have Jesus and something else to save you. This is the problem with the Catholic Church, most of the world. You ask them, Catholic and most of the world, again, I'm not Catholic bashing, but in my experience, most Catholics, if you ask them, how do you get to heaven? How, how are you saved? Do you know what they'll say? Jesus and all my works and my Hail Marys and my confession and my this and the, whatever. There, it's, it's the purity of the salvation and the gospel is lost because you can't be Jesus and it has to just be Jesus, right? And uh, I think that so often even evangelical and Protestant Christians get caught up in the same thing. We try to have Jesus and all this other stuff. Remember back to Hezekiah. He looks out and he sees the Assyrian army there and Isaiah gives him a choice. He says, listen, you can choose all your plans or you can choose Yahweh, God. But you can't choose both. You have to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm all in on the Yahweh thing or I'm all in on my own, you know, my own thoughts and ideas. And that goes back to Philippians, right? You have to present your request to God. And he says, and the God. And, right? be anxious for nothing, but in everything, <laughs> make your request known, right? You have to choose anxiety or peace. It's pretty heavy right there. Anybody have any thoughts on that one or comments? What? Remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I haven't thought about that one. She was on her way out. She knew that. What she had back there wasn't going to say it was going to be destroyed because she turned just ever so slightly. I want what okay. I had. It wasn't completely gone. Mm. And then it didn't work out for her. We'll it just put it in a, in a very nice way. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I hadn't thought about it that way, but that is true. Because she has under specific orders not to look back. Hmm. Well, there, there's a lot to unpack here, isn't there, you guys? Okay, yeah, we still got a little time. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, I know I've been following the Sean Foy. He's supposed to appear at the, at the National Mall next Sunday. Now, up till the beginning of the week, he stated, well, we got all the permits and all the clearances we need to do this. Well, a couple of days ago, the Park Service came up with a great idea. Well, we've been reviewing what you're doing in some of the other countries, so you got to come up with another $30,000 to, to protect the turf. For some sense. Hmm. And he, you know, he's a, he don't know where it's coming from, but I know it's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sean Foyt, in case you didn't catch all that, he's a he's been doing prayer gatherings all around the country, praying for our country, uh, but using worship. And uh, Sean Foyt is his name. You can look him up. He's great. Um, all right, well, let's wrap this up today. But so, <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> Did I? I didn't promise that we were going to get fully through chapter fourteen, did I? Because we got yeah, I we got one verse into it today. So, 
uh, as opposed to trying to make something happen here, uh, I think we're just going to leave that there and let those those things dwell in us. Um, can we just close with a couple of verses then today? Um, Deuteronomy uh, 31.8. Uh, again, this is when they're, um, Moses is... is is um, starting to be done, and he's Joshua is then going to rise and become the, the leader of the children of Israel as they move into the Promised Land. And this is the transfer, one of the transfer statements. Uh, this is Moses speaking to Joshua, and he says, "This, the Lord Himself goes before you, and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you." So now just pause there for a second. How would you clarify those couple of sentences? What, how would you define them? What are they? Promises. See, the thing about God is he will never tell you to do something without first going there himself. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? Like, God isn't expecting you to, to trust him without him first saying, you can trust me. I, lo- I mean, look at those verses. The Lord himself goes before you, and he's before you, but he will also be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then, it, so the promise then comes with a challenge, a choice, right? Just like we've been talking about. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So it's as if this holy tennis match, and God hits it over and says, "Don't be afraid." And then, and then Joshua gets to go. Okay, I won't. Poof. You know, like I choose to not be discouraged. I choose to not be afraid. You know, like it's this back and forth thing, and it requires. It's a requirement. It's a command, which I think is uh, maybe less options are better for us. <laughs> Amen. They keep it simple. So then Joshua 1.9, it's a it reiterates it again. Verse uh, verse nine he says, This is now God speaking uh, to him, and, and it's this whole transfer of power thing going on. Have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I feel like there's a some of you even listening to the sound of my voice and perhaps you today in this room that you are struggling with the laying in bed at night, mind worrying like a, a thing. And uh, I just feel like God would say to you today, I'm giving you the promises you need to make that be done. For that to be... Uh, not something you have to keep struggling with. Because God's word is true. And so, Lord, I speak over your people today. I thank you for the truth of your word. And what what an interesting path we went down today. Just, again, like Hezekiah, I had plans and thoughts about how things should go, but you had a different thought for us. And so, God, I speak today to all my friends, both here on site and those online, that are in situations that are requiring a choice. And you're laying it out before them. Are you going to choose your plans 
and your feelings and your thoughts? Or are you going to choose my peace, my shalom today? Are you going to choose me or your situation? And so, God, I thank you today that you're giving us the tools we need, the verses we need. You're giving us the promises we need to make the choices that not only do we need, but our world around us needs, God. There's so many in our circle of influence that need peace today. There's so many in our jobs and our friendships and in our even online and Facebook and all of these things that are going on. There's so much fear. There's so much anxiety. Lord, you have given us supernatural gift of peace. So number one, not only do we say yes to that peace for our own lives, but then let it be that peace that we can, like you said in Matthew 10, bring it to other homes in a tangible way, oh God. Your shalom. I thank you for that truth today. Thank you for your love. Now bless us as we go on this Sunday, that today would be a day of peace, and every day this week would be a a day and a night filled with your peace. We choose, we choose that, oh God. In Jesus' name. You guys say amen. 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 All right.